Cool. 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 Hello, faithful listener, and welcome to A Kettle and Some String, where we take a random trip through all the Doctor's adventures in time and space. I'm Dave, and I'm with a friend of mine today, Mark Cockrum, from All the Space and Time podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. I hope I got your pronunciation right there, because I'm terrible at pronunciations. You did. You got it absolutely bang on. Cool. And you're doing good? Yeah, very well, thanks. Um, I have been checking out some of your back catalogue and uh, very much enjoying the episodes I've heard so far. Oh, th- thanks very much. Kind of to say. <laughs> Which stories the randomizer sent us to see today? Well, it's uh, it's an all-time classic. It's season sixteen's <laughs> "The Power of Crawl." Yes, the fifth story of the key to time. Mm, yes, I've, I was doing a bit of research on the mm-hmm. power of crawl. So this all started with Ted Lewis, who was a thriller novelist. He had submitted a script, but he had to withdraw due to personal issues. I think he had a, a drinking problem, I think, from oh, what I read. And so Robert Holmes, who had just finished the rebus operation, mm. was asked to step in with, give us the biggest monster in Doctor Who, but don't make it humorous either. <laughs> hmm. So he had quite mm, a task could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you... If you've got a problem with your writer, he's not a bad substitute to bring in, is he, really? He's got a pretty good pedigree. Oh, yeah, I think Robert Holmes is probably the best writer in the classic series, in my mm, opinion. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, he said it was his least favourite script because he didn't like... Yeah, the... he wasn't happy, was he? Well, he doesn't like... Um, like It was Five Doctors as well when they asked him to do that, isn't it? That mm-hmm. He doesn't like a shopping list. No, no. Thing is, when you've got a writer who's that good, you really want to work to their strengths, don't you? Rather than saying, "Oh, it must have this," yeah. and don't do that, because you're you're instantly putting putting them on the back foot, aren't you? So, yeah, I mean, it's still, it's not possibly the best one from season sixteen, although it's still better than the Armageddon Factor. Um, but yeah, I think there's enough there that you could sit down. It's one of those I tend to think of as like a sun. Stick the DVD on and just get swept away in the story, and there's enough there to keep you interested. I'm personally, I'm not perhaps as positive about Power of Crawl as, as you are, Mark. <laughs> but we'll, we'll I'm, I that. think it's fair to say you're not exactly an outlier in that uh, particular opinion, Dave. Yeah, it's not a, a fan favourite, but th- there was quite a lot, when I watched it, there is quite a lot of good stuff in there, but we'll, we'll, we'll go through it. Mm, and yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing I found out was Michael Hayes was obviously going to be the original director. Mm-hmm. But he looked at the script, saw this biggest monster in Doctor Who, and thought, "Oh no, I don't think I can do that yeah, justice." Yeah, he had more sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was switched on to Androids of Tara, didn't he? Yes. And then Norman Stewart stepped in. Now, what a brave mm. man he is, because he had Underworld, where he I had mean, obviously the no sets. You'd think he would have learned from last time, really, just avoid it at oh. all costs. I mean, fair play to him for taking it on, though. Absolutely, to go from no sets and then suddenly the biggest Doctor Who monster story. He loves a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, um, during production, Graham Williams was ill. So other members yeah. of production had to step in. Was it was it he broke his leg or something? It said on the I think it said on one of the documentaries on the Yeah, the, I knew he couldn't take part, so they had to sort of divvy up the um, the producer responsibilities, but I think they did a, a decent enough job. Yeah, I, I agree. So this we know that this story's got a lot of good location work. Um and Mary Tamno lost her shoe in the marsh. <laughs> and she was <laughs> that really doesn't happy. surprise me. She wasn't really no. happy with this either because mm. she didn't like it was so far away, the location. And that yeah, didn't they only film it in Suffolk? Yeah, I can't quite remember where, but I think you're right. I think it was Suffolk. I think it was Snape in Suffolk because I did a bit of research as well. So, yeah, they went down to the marshes down there. I mean, it looks brilliant. I mean, yeah, I mean, story will... if you put yourself in the shoes of the producer of Doctor Who at the time, Graham Williams... It's 1978. You get given a budget at the start of the season, which, uh, as the season goes on, is worth less and less and less because inflation is just going absolutely crazy. Sound familiar? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think, considering what they've got to work with, they, they make the most of, of what they've got. I think it is quite... It's nice to have a change from a you know the standard thing is a quarry, isn't it, for an alien planet? So oh yeah, I thought that was uh, quite a, a neat idea. Yeah, I think uh, season sixteen certainly looks more expensive than the season before. I don't know whether yeah. that's because they if they're using the money more wisely or what. I don't know, but it's... well, I don't know if it's an apocryphal tale or if there's any yeah. truth in it. But I did hear a story that Philip Hinchcliffe used an absolute shed load of money on <laughs> his final story. And then left not very much in the coffers for poor Graham Williams when he took over. Uh, that, that's that would be quite naughty of him. A little bit, yeah. Although it, we did get the Townsway Chiang, so I kind of forgive him. Maybe fears. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad one to go out on, is it? <laughs> and other little mishaps that happened were Tom Baker lost the tracer prop. Oh God! Uh, at one point, so they had to get they had to get another one shipped up from London. Or down from London, I should say. That would have knocked to the budget. That's at least another 50 pence, I would have thought. And, of course, the Swampy makeup. <laughs> the Swampy's in this. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. They wouldn't come off. And so you've got a bunch of green men going to the RAF base <laughs> nearby to shower. So they ordered this stuff in specially from Germany. So it's this yeah. oil-based um, paint or, you know, makeup. Um, they needed it to be water-resistant, but they neglected to order the makeup remover so these poor sods <laughs> who were covered in green paint would go off at the end of the day and go for like chemical wash to try and get this stuff off oh. but they're ending up with like green clothes green bedding <laughs> you know it's not great it reminds me of have you ever watched that sitcom phoenix nights yes i have yeah do you remember the episode where they're doing the face painting and that poor guy gets a tiger painted on his face and they've oh, used yes. like permanent paint, and so oh, for the next couple yeah, of episodes, he's still got this gradually fading <laughs> oh, facial I mean, makeup. How mortifying would it be if you were a swampy? Oh god! Mm. And, um, and they, there wasn't much of the costume either, was there? It's uh, oh, no, an awful lot to the imagination. No, they just had the sort of leaf round their bits, yeah, like a little loincloth-y type thing. Loin cloth, that was it. Yeah. A more happy thing though is that. The, so Tom Baker and Mary Tam and Glenn Owen, who will we'll get into the cast list in a second, mm -hmm. 
they went to a wine bar on the location and gate crushed a policeman's ball. <laughs> that must be fun. Just that sounds so out of character for Tom Baker. Oh, of course, uh, always <laughs> in the pub. <laughs> he was fond of a drink. Yeah. Now, I can imagine there's a nice camaraderie when they go away on these location shoots. Oh, you always get that impression that that, that was a a positive side of that. Definitely, I, the, I, I uh, definitely filming. think it would have been better than this, any studio. Yeah, that's for sure. With Tom's <laughs> temper at times, yes. Mm, yeah. And due to industrial action, they only knew a day before that it was going to be transmitted because, of course, this was around the time where it was industrial action. ITV, I don't mm-hmm. think, it was on either. Yeah. And they only knew a day before, right, you're on. We're putting it on mm-hmm. tomorrow. Okay. So it must have been yeah. quite a strange and time. That carries on. Yeah, that carries on in the next season as well. Yeah. So City of Death from season 17 is the highest rated classic series story, if I remember correctly. And a lot yeah, of that was yeah. down to the fact that um, ITV was not transmitting because they were on strike. Um, Brain of Morbius he really wanted to follow that up with another really meaty part. And this was something of a non-part, really, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, he, he looks quite miserable throughout the whole story. I don't know if that's anything to do with what happened. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> Possibly. And Glenn Owen is Rome Dutt, who's a dun mm. runner, obviously. Yeah. Now, I don't remember anything he was in, but apparently he was big in Howard's Way. Yes, I remember that as a kid. Um, that's That's the main thing I can really remember him from. And John Leeson, of course, is yes. Dougie K9 himself gets we yeah. get to see his face. That's quite cool. I assume he was contracted for so many episodes in a season, and obviously the conditions there weren't very conducive to having K9 rolling around. <laughs> well, he's so they got around it by by making him one of the guest actors, which I thought was a really cool idea. Yeah, it's good to see him just Yeah, it must be nice for him as well. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to go in the rehearsal hall on all fours for a couple of weeks. No, he was very method, was, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so you were saying, Mark, that you saw this on first transmission. Yeah, I am that old. Yeah, <laughs> I've got, I can remember little uh, bits of it. The main thing I remember is Kroll coming up from... From the depths. The, the depths of the ocean, yeah. I think the first time I saw anything of the power of Kroll was the Tom Baker years tape. Oh, right, but it had yeah. a clip from each story, and it's, the clip is uh-huh. um, the, where the Doctor gets attacked by Crow, where he's trying mm. to, he's going outside with a tracer. Yes. And uh, I always, uh, I, uh, and then it was on UK Gold, because my grandparents had cable, but my folks didn't. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was always going to my grandparents growing up every week to record whatever story was oh, on UK nice, Gold. That. yeah. So my first impression of the power of Crow was, God, this wasn't as good as the last couple of seasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I really um... like, I think, season 16, although it's, you know, the Graham Williams era is not necessarily everyone's favourite, I think they make some really nice creative choices. I agree. And I think the idea of having this, what is now quite a, a standard thing in, in modern TV, having this season arc. And yeah. having them go on this quest, and you've got all this this bigger story that's connecting all the individual episodes. I think that's a really nice touch. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am a getting factor, of course, as a story for another time, but I'm not sure they wrapped it up yeah. very well. But uh, it was a really nice idea of having this connected theme 
Yeah. And people in the playground, kids could obviously go, right, what do you think the segment's going to be this week? And all yeah. that sort of stuff, which would have been good. And they like to throw you as well. There's, uh, <laughs> is it Androids of Tara where they find it straight away? Yeah, Androids of Tara. It's found the yeah, first yeah. five minutes at the end. Yeah. Oh, right, she's found it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I really like that. So, and they've seemed to have gone more for like a, because obviously the, the previous producers were very much fond of the uh, more. They kind of based it on horror movies, didn't they? So it's horror movies for kids and uh, that kind of uh, darker storytelling, whereas this is very much they're edging more towards fantasy, that kind of element, I think. Yeah, I think growing up, I, I love the Tinchcliffe time, but I'm finding, maybe mm-hmm. it's because of my age, I don't know, but I'm finding now getting older that I much prefer the Graham Williams sort of era. I'm, I'm appreciating them yeah. a lot more than I used to. Mm-hmm. Because I think you've spoken to your other guests before about uh, received fan wisdom. Yeah. And you're reading these, you know, the Bibles that we all had growing up, mm-hmm. uh, the program guides and stuff. And Peter Haining and, and others were, they'd say, well, this story's great, this story's not so great. And it kind of just gets passed along. But yeah, I, I think, agree. Yeah, I think maybe it's a little bit of. I must be honest, there's an awful lot of nostalgia for me just watching these because it's, you know, such a, a part of my childhood. So that obviously will influence my impression of it. That's it's the same with me. With It's a West McCoy time for me, so I'm exactly the same oh, when yeah. it comes to season 26. And... Mm-hmm. But Power of Cruel, so we start with the, the first shot is Fawn, Fawn arriving at the refinery on the third moon yeah. of Delta Magna. And he's reunited with Dougie, Fenner and Hark, who also work at the refinery. Philip Maddox seems to be doing some sort of mapping thing. He keeps doing this. What 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 do you call that when people are on a map and they use this little device? They've got the sort of compasses, haven't they? Compasses thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And as I say, he looks quite miserable, but I think that's because he never got he's not playing the part he wanted. <laughs> I like their costumes. This Yes. I co- I've noticed the um so they've got this sort of Blue terry toweling uh two piece. Yes. Blue effort. And then over the top of that, I only really noticed it this time round, where I was just paying more attention to the costumes, but the white sort of tabardy bit that goes over the top, mm-hmm. that looks to me to be um a dining table. Um, I don't know what you call it. It's like a, a surface oh, saber yeah. type thing. Yeah. My parents had one when it was Christmas. They'd always chuck it on the, the dining table. That is exactly what uh, it looks and like. Then the, yeah, and then the tablecloth would go at the top. Because they're sort of diamond patterns. Yeah, I'm sure my dad and granddad had that as well. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it looks like. Yeah. But I quite like the blue colour. And, and when Fawn comes in with his cloak on as well, he's looking all yeah. like dapper. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Dogeen thinks that Fawn has been followed by a second ship landing in the swamp. Mm. And Fawn says there's a rumour that the sons of Earth are going to arm the Swampies, who are the resettled natives of Delta Magna. And so the TARDIS then lands in a swamp, which is a great location. Yeah, just something absolutely great. different, isn't it, from, from what we normally get? But just seeing the... Just landing in the middle, and you can't even see the bottom of it. You know, you can only see the top, <laughs> and so on. It's just so different, and mm. the location just looks fab. And I like when Tom does a gravity check with his hat. Yeah. He, put, he puts his hat down, and then he's like, "Oh, yeah," <laughs> and he knows exactly where they are, which is quite not always what the Doctor does, but this one he knows exactly no, where they are from the off. No, no, that's impressive. 
And Romana goes to higher ground to use the tracer, and then Felon and Fenner set off in a hovercraft to deal with the new arrivals. And we see the hovercraft. There's quite a lot of nice little boats and things in this story. That, you know, mm-hmm. quite a, I wonder if yeah, that's... Yeah, they had a bit of budget to spend there, yeah. On this uh, nice little hovercraft. I think John Perry yeah. would have been happy with it. Yeah, he would have loved that, wouldn't he? <laughs> and the Doctor <laughs> starts playing a flute made of a reef. I mean, I'm not yeah. quite sure how that's possible. It's, it's... Mm, some Time Lord technology, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, and Romana's captured by the Swampies. I think the Swampies look really good, actually. I mean, I know it's the deep, yeah. deep water, all, but I think they look really good. Yeah, I think... I don't know what else they could really do to... I think... Take them another the, the budget is like, Yeah, I mean, the budget's obviously been spent on the hovercraft and the uh, the paddle boat. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's not like Star Trek where they've got all these, you know, amazing things they can stick on prosthetics they can stick on people's faces and stuff so yeah slap a bit of paint on give them some green wigs job to get them and fenner then shoots the doctor but he only hits his hat so he's like he must be a bloody bad shot mm. he, must, he, he takes aim from quite a far bit away and shoots and then somehow doesn't he kill him i'm not quite sure how but mm. he could have been a stormtrooper in star wars <laughs> <laughs> and they thought it was Ron duck this gun runner fairly but it's not of course it's the doctor yeah, there's that bit of dialogue about the uh, the wide rim hat. Yes, sets up that. So, yeah. And, and Romana's tied to a rock and is questioned by Rome Dutt. Now, I think Rome Dutt looks like he looks like the guy in Trouble with Tribbles, the Star Trek episode. <laughs> yeah, he does. With this, does. you know, this sort of pockets everywhere motif and mm-hmm. even the voice and the accent and the mannerisms. And I just thought yeah. he'd be watching that episode. Yeah, maybe and, he has. And he starts talking about. Drill flies. Yeah, that's grim, isn't it? Talking about what is it that they, they they burrow in through your feet, into your feet, and then out through your head, <laughs> and then out Gross. through your head. <laughs> Robert Holmes is pretty good at uh, these sort of macabre, adding these little tiny macabre things. Yeah, he? he's very good at uh, names as well, isn't he? You never get a sort of a standard space name. It's always Terry. Nation I don't know the, na- the names. Just yeah. The names always just sound like, oh, yeah, that's that person's name. That sounds right. Yeah, Rome Dutt. Yeah. Yeah. So the doctor is then taken to the refinery, and he knows exactly what it does. And, in fact, he's telling them, oh, it does this, it does this, it does this. And the guys in the refinery are totally flummoxed because it's, yeah, this is a classified project. <laughs> yeah. How on earth do you know this? And he even gives them ideas to improve it, mm. um, which is... I love the bit where he says to the, one of the guard, I can't remember which one it is, says um, he's crazy. And he says, can you tell him to shut up? What does he know about my state of mind? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of moments in this that Tom is just very alien and adds his unique touch to it. You know? Yeah, it's... I think that's another thing with this era, even if some of the stories aren't necessarily that great. He and, in this case, Mary, they just lift it onto another yeah. level that you wouldn't perhaps necessarily get on the written page. You can tell that, I mean, we, we know that behind the scenes that basically she wasn't taking any nonsense from him. No. And it shows no. on screen that she's her own person, you know, she's... Uh, well, she was pals been... with Louise Jameson. They yeah. were both at uh, RADA together, I think it was. So um, I'm sure she would have already been Warned. given the full <laughs> SP on, uh, on Tom's behaviour. 
I like the models in this story as well. The, the model of the refinery. I mean, it, it gets a lot of criticism, yeah. but I think it actually looks. It holds up all right. I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's decent for its time. And Ron Dutt is going to deliver weapons to Rankwin, who's the leader of the Swampies, who intends to drive their dry foots from our waters and wants to sacrifice Romana before the battle. So we find we meet Rankwin for the first time, John Abernerry, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> Yes, he's looking quite good as a um, swampy leader, I think. He must have been wondering what he was walking into, really, because <laughs> I know you're used to having outlandish outfits and stuff if you're going to be a guest character on Doctor Who, but that's it takes the cake a bit, doesn't it? Well, his previous ones, he, he was dressed sort of ordinary, wasn't he? He was in yeah. Masters of Death as, in an army outfit, yeah. and then he was in Death to the Daleks as um, sort of a... Part of the exhibition, wasn't he? So it was just yeah. a space outfit. Mm. <laughs> I can just imagine he got told this part and then he thought, you're putting that paint on me? Yeah. <laughs> I thought um, the one who got away with it, the best was um, Mensch, because he got to wear one of the uh, the Dryfoot's uniforms. Oh, so course, I'm sure yeah. he probably only got to have his face and his hands painted. That's uh, Terry Walsh, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 Our stunt man himself. Stunt man super. Extraordinaire. Yeah. So Fawn says that the refinery produces protein, which they shoot into orbit. And the doctor, at this point, for some reason, puts a cup in his pocket. Yeah, I know it's that. <laughs> it's a bit weird, isn't weird. it? I mean, it's a standard Tom thing, isn't it? He'll just, where he'll pick up a, a glass and put it up to his ear or yeah, he'll he just does do put, something random, won't he? He just adds these little alien things. I love it. Yeah. And you can tell at this point that Fawn is just a xenophobic racist. He just mm. absolutely despises these swampies and just wants rid of them completely while Dougie is far more sympathetic and is trying to say, you can't, you know, just leave them alone. <laughs> I think there's a lot of parallels with this and uh, I'm guessing it's a, a bit of a treatise on um, colonialism. And, oh, yeah, colonialism, yeah. And that kind of thing. And Because those poor swampies, because they're... They're not indigenous to this moon, are they? They were on no, uh, they were Delta Magna, and then they shoved them on the moon to get rid of them. Yeah, now uh, they can't even get be left in peace on this moon. No, moon. no, because now they've discovered there's this uh, rich source of energy that they can be mining. Yeah. You quite feel sorry for the swampies. You do. Not so least we... for the paint. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have probably the best bit of this first episode. Crawl, crawl, crawl. Oh, the chanting. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so the tribe starts chanting because they're going to sacrifice Romana. And the doctor hears this and is told that they're going to be making a sacrifice to a giant squid called Crawl, mm. which means that they're going to go to war. And then the doctor just walks out. <laughs> they're, they're so engrossed, the guys in the refinery, that he just. Is a little, ah, well, he just walks out. Men Mench is supposed to be guarding him, but he's busy doing his um, Sherlock Holmes uh, Hound of the Baskervilles light from the uh, the window <laughs> job, isn't he? Even if not only does he manage to walk out, he even takes a canoe, so there's no one even guarding <laughs> yeah. canoes. He's able to walk out, take a canoe, yeah. and, and jet off. Yeah, and don't they just turn around and go, Where is he? <laughs> yeah, oh, he's gone for a rest. No, he's not oh, his yeah. quarters. Oh, he must have gone then. But the crawl chanting is brilliant. How they did, they oh, yeah. they're going at the camera and it's choreographed. And yeah. I wonder how Elisa Burke is it Elisa Burke who does the modern series? Oh, yeah, that's right. Can you imagine if she had got the this oh, tribe, god, what yeah. she would have done. <laughs> and then we have the cliffhanger, which 
maybe oh. you can help me with this. I, 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 any time I watch this, I think, what is going mm. on? Romana's menaced by what can only be described as giant clams. Yeah. How's that going to kill her? How, well, how I think, is this? <laughs> this, I think, owes a little bit to, I don't know if you've, have you watched The Rescue? Rescue, yeah. William Hartnell? Yeah. yeah. So that repeats, I think, one of the, my favourite things about The Rescue is that you've got this, what seemingly is a fairly naff looking <laughs> monster coming towards your heroine in distress. And it turns out to be genuinely a guy in an outfit. So in the in the reprise, Tom just comes along, whips his head off, and sorts him out. I just don't know why, like Coquillian in the rescue's got this gun, hasn't he? This hand yeah. that's like a gun, but this yeah. guy's just got this clam, which I'm not quite sure how that's supposed to kill her. <laughs> I, well, I just, I mean, I'm probably making excuses now, but I just assumed <laughs> it was like some sort of ceremonial thing, because I think it's said somewhere that Kroll hasn't been seen for thousands of years. Yeah. So it's they're now having to, you know, uh, insert their own crawl because yeah, the right. one hasn't been around for a while. Yeah, I think the Ragcoon says later that, like, somebody who goes in this suit or this outfit is like the personification of crawl and therefore right. is crawl. Yeah, an extension so of crawl. I can yeah. only think that he just gets her to scream and then he maybe got a knife in his stomach and he stabs her or something. I don't know. But it's just... <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, any time I watch that cliffhanger, I think, what on earth is going on? Um, so the start of part two, as you say, is the doctor turns up and violently punches the guy in the stomach, and it's a swampy in the skies <laughs> <laughs> who escapes. But again, a bit of it, I'm being, I know I'm being very harsh uh, with the bad shots and all that, but he throws a knife at them and he manages mm-hmm. to. Miss. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's not a crack shot, is he? But he just punches them in the stomach, so it's, it's quite, yeah. Hard. That's it. That's you've you've summed it up there. You know why he's his shots slightly off because he's got a sore ah tummy. yeah he's got his bread yeah. his bread basket sore yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ray Quinn receives a message from Mensch. Now Mensch is a swamp who's working at the refinery, the one that you you said earlier. Mm, yeah, and he's got a warning now that the dry foods will attack, and Rome Dot tries to, um, to yeah so he's, just checking my he's like oh is that the time I really must be going. Yeah, because he's trying to talk them out of it. But yeah, Rankin yeah. says, no, 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 you're going to be fighting with us, chump. Mm, yeah. And he has a look of, oh, God. So he's obviously... He's like, oh, I came here to sell arms. I didn't come here to use them. Correct, yeah. yeah. Aye, at, at this point, the, the doctor gives an explanation for how he managed to walk away. And this is really funny. They were too busy, <laughs> they were too busy preparing a massacre, so I just slipped away. <laughs> okay, doc. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that comes into play a bit later as well, doesn't it? Do you remember where, I'm skipping ahead a bit now, where Romana is going to introduce him to the uh, the Swampies? And she's like, yeah. oh, what should I say? He says, well, you know, just tell them what I'm like, but don't go too overboard. And then they immediately come <laughs> along and just grab them and take them away. And say, hey, I told you not to go too overboard. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like that bit later on, yeah. So at the refinery, they finally notice that he's gone. I think it's Dougie talks about something called the bagel movement. Now, I just looked this up because I thought, what on earth is a bagel movement? And in actual fact, it's just a made up thing. It's not a. Okay. It's not a. Yeah, I wonder what that was. Yeah. I mean, it just made me want to have a bagel. 
<laughs> I mean, I think it's supposed to be like a, another word for the, the, the seabed or something. Yeah, the sediment getting stirred up or something, I'm assuming. I don't know. But if you look up on Google, like bagel movement, it actually, yeah. all the results just give you power of crow, part two. <laughs> and that quote. Right. Yeah. And again, we get a bit more bloodthirstiness from Fawn. He says, Duggins a swampy yeah. lover. And he's very bloodthirsty. He just, yeah, I, I actually really like his performance, though. I mean, again, yeah. it's not one that a lot of people sort of have good things to say about, but I like the fact he's just sort he can be sort of one note, but he's just, I hate these guys. I want to wipe them out. Yeah, he's a, he's just a, a bad psycho, guy. really, isn't he? Yeah. But he's just a straight down the line bad guy, and I quite like that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the doctor discovers the Swampy's history in a boat in a book, sorry, at the bottom of a shaft and then drops it back in. I, I didn't know what was going on there either. He, um, he, yeah, that's he goes, a weird he, one, wasn't it? He goes down the shaft and comes back out with a book. The book is completely dry, so <laughs> it must be in a, on a... There must be something somewhere dry down there or something. Mm-hmm. And then they're able to read about um, the history of Crow. Yeah. And it mentions about that the moon was given to the Swampies because they were originally on the Delta Magna. Mm-hmm. And that every couple of centuries, there's this big creature called Kroll that appears. But yeah, he just drops it back into the the well. <laughs> so then Fawn arrives in a hovercraft with Mage. And the Swampy fires, but the gun explodes in his face. Yeah, so, he's been stitched yeah. up like a kipper, hasn't he? That's quite a gruesome effect, that. The, yeah. The, the blood just squirts suit, you know, because mm. it's, it's just exploded in his face. Yeah. And a tentacle drags Mesh away and Kroll appears. Now, uh, the, the fringing on the picture here, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be that bad cop again, I'm afraid, on this one. Yeah. Where the cameraman only apparently exposed half the picture. So the reason that we see like bits cut off mm. is because the cameraman didn't do it right. So yeah. when Kroll appears, it, it, it does, there's not, there's a sharp sort of difference. It's a shame. Pictures. Yeah. Because he actually, I mean, as a, as a kid, right. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And I suppose five-year-old me probably had slightly less idea about production values than 49-year-old <laughs> me. I mean, we see the, the model, or, yeah, the model of Kroll mm. in more glory later on, but I actually think it, it looks really good. I think, you know, considering they got a, a budget of tuppence eight, I think it's good. I, I quite like the um, the technicals as well. I'm not bothered, but, they, they, you know, what else could they do? It's yeah. like, it looks like a tentacle, you know. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like something that's pretending to be a tentacle. Yeah. So I think it gets. No, I, think, I think it works well. I think the crow creature gets a bit of a bad rap. Actually, I, I don't yeah. think it's it's bad at all. No. So Fawn then returns to the fright the refinery and blames the Sons of Earth for arming the Swampies. Hmm. How convenient. <laughs> <laughs> he's wanting to do depth charge. He's wanting to use depth charges to yeah wipe them out. So he's completely yeah. just went completely. I mean, mad. <laughs> yes. He's, the wrong one he's gone use. full on Kanye, hasn't he? Yeah. And I think he <laughs> says something like, no police and we'll wipe them all out. Because I think yeah. some of the others are obviously getting a bit sort of, mm. you're going a bit far, aren't you? Yeah, they're like, shit, he's getting a bit carried away. They see Crow on the screen, don't they? Because mm, yeah. Duggan sees the, the seabed is, and it just looks exactly like Crow. Yeah. And this has found, this is a great moment where it, 
zooms in on his face and he goes, that is what I saw, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's drinking out a tiny cup. These, they, they use little tiny cups in this piece. Mm. At the start That's of the scene, he's, he's obviously a bit taken aback because he's just seen a giant squid. He's came back, so he's a bit sort of shaken by this. But mm. they give him this tiny sort of cup. I wonder if he's drinking whiskey or something. I, don't I was going to say, they, gave, they must be giving him like shots of something <laughs> just to... It must be boring as hell being stuck on that refinery all the time. Oh, so it must have something to... It'd be obviously like being on a rig or something, wouldn't it? It's, yeah. yeah. So it must have rations like the old sailors did. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll probably be this protein as well, I would think, from the... Ooh. Yeah, well, when we know where that comes from, that's a bit grim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the Doctor and Ramana deduce, just as we're about to say, that the methane at the refinery is generated by Crow himself. Mm. who's woken up squid farts yeah squid farts yeah mm. and they're able to turn this into protein and then shoot it off to the main planet to eat well, that's grim mm. oh. <laughs> it, Romana's costume looks pretty practical I've not, we've not touched on that the costume yeah. Romana's got is practical yeah it does um, she doesn't look quite as glamorous as she does in some of the others no not um, the ice queen in this one no, no, I'm trying to think. Probably Pirate Planet is my favourite one. Oh, yeah, she looks very glad yeah. on that, doesn't she? Yeah. Or, you know, Ribos Operation is just, you know, that's a whole different level. Oh. The feathers she, and all the rest of it, yeah. When she makes her entrance and he just looks up mm. from her, the camera just goes up from her yeah. legs up. Oh. <laughs> so we find out, this is a bit that uh, you talked about earlier, where mm. they're captured again, the Doctor Romana by the Swampies. And this is a bit where he said, introduce me. And then they just go, seize them, and yeah, they're locked <laughs> up again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite a common thing in, in Classic Who. It's they escape, they get locked up, they escape, they get locked up. Uh, yeah. It's it's very much down to, is the story good enough to kind of hold your attention? And for me, at least, it sounds like it was. Maybe not so much for you, Dave, I'm thinking. Well, no, I do, I do like this uh, scene. Because you see, it's, mm -hmm. he makes it really funny rather than just a boring, oh, just what, getting them locked up. There yeah. is this sort of, I, I, I was wondering if uh, Tom Baker and Mary Tam sort of done this himself or whether it was in the script. Mm -hmm. You know, this bit of this sort of interplay about, I told you not to exaggerate, <laughs> and all that. You know, cause it makes it what would be probably quite boring, but yeah. quite in, entertaining, you know. Mm. Yeah, he was uh, quite fond of making alterations, yeah. <laughs> not always to the... Uh... The pleasure of the writers. Mm. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> can you imagine if you were a writer in that time? God. Yeah. Well, if you've ever heard Tom Baker talking about it, I mean, he had a tremendous respect for Douglas Adams and a few of the other writers, but his common phrase that he used to come up with a lot when he was talking about <laughs> scripts was whip it shit. Whip it shit, yeah. 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 So Rome Dutt is also in prison at this point. And yes. the Swampies say to him, because he's trying to worm his way out, mm -hmm. and he's, they're saying, no, no, you betrayed us because you gave us old weapons. Yeah. So, yeah, he's not getting out of it. So Harg back at the refinery then starts to, he, he starts going to a pipe. And it, it reminded me of when I looked at it the other day, like he was checking oil in his car. He puts this sort of <laughs> wee sort of dipstick. plastic. Dipstick. Yeah, a dipstick <laughs> into the pipe. Which is, yeah, maybe he's checking the levels for the gas in there. I don't yeah, know. maybe, yeah. 
And the doctor and man are told they're going to die now by the seventh holy ritual. Mm. <laughs> and then ba- the doctor goes, seven's <laughs> yeah. my lucky number. <laughs> yeah. Which is brilliant. Yeah. And then I love that the about Tom Baker's doctor. Just so... I love the fact he's so alien. Yes. I mean, Peter Capaldi, much later on, you know, was accused mm-hmm. of being too alien and that's another doctor. But I do yeah, like I how think... Tom is just... He's not... As a kid, I found him kind of equal parts, slightly scary, um, but oh. just uh, you always felt that when you were watching, no matter how scary things got, you'd always be safe because he would always come through and and win. Yeah, he's got that reassuring presence about him, isn't he? I mean, yeah. it, it's just like he'll say something like, you know, we're all going to die tomorrow, like in horrifying rock, but then... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the total opposite of what you would normally expect somebody yeah, to yeah. do, which is really good. Mm. So then we get to the cliffhanger for part two, which I'm not gonna. I'm actually gonna be quite good about this one. I'm not gonna savage it at all. Uh-huh. He Hargis dragged into the pipe, and they hear a big yeah. rah, mm-hmm. and it actually looks fine. It's just that I notice it's the final shot of the the final tiny yeah, bit. Yeah, as the legs go through the last bit of his foot. Just yeah. touches the wall, mm-hmm. and make, and then you can see it's cardboard. But up to that point, if yeah. you had cut it by one second, right. it looks great. It looks absolutely yeah. great. And I think in the edit, that could have, oh. like you say, it could have been a bit better. It just, ah, oh, just killed the illusion just at the tiny yeah. last second. Mm-hmm. Which, um, but I thought it was a. Good... So part three, they obviously all rush in to see what's happened, and he's been dragged it in the pipe. Mm. And unfortunately, all the debris on the floor—it's it, wood. Does look very. Oh, yeah. They didn't paint mm. the wood. No, that's poor. And the doc. This is, I think, my favourite bit of the whole story. The Doctor Romana and Rome Dutt are tied up <laughs> yeah. with wet creepers on a rack. Yeah. And this bit is so brilliant. It is. <laughs> he's told. They're told that it would have been the first ritual, which is rocks falling on you, and me, yeah. and Romana goes, "Oh, it's nice to know who your friends are." <laughs> which is brilliant <laughs> and again the doctor just laugh. he's just smiling and laughing when he finds you yeah. you're going to die it's like oh mm. this is great we're going to be we're going to, you're going to break our backs oh, brilliant. Death. yeah <laughs> no, I love the, the whole scene is I don't know I think it depends on how you like your doctor there's some people who love it to be deadly serious and they don't want any humour in it at all other people like it to be you know just knock about humor all the time i think the the winning combination uh, one of my friends once said this eric stadnick from the real mccoy podcast he said the the best is when you've got that sort of evenness between the two i agree it's good to have i don't mind a story like i like the case of angelsani for example but it's very very grim you couldn't do that in doctor who every week or it's good because it's it's so unusual but yeah like you say as we found out with season 22 uh you can't just keep doing that constantly because it'll no it, just gets, after a while. it gets too grim yeah, doctor yeah. who needs the humor mm, definitely. definitely um and i, I love this but <laughs> the whole scene just makes you laugh because as he says he's not going to break our backs great yeah <laughs> the doctor tries to what's the word i'm looking for here he vocalizes so, doesn't he? he does this kind of uh high-pitched vocalization doesn't he like he's uh trying to sing a high note yeah and he's trying to hypnotize 
Rankwin. Oh yes, that's right. I forgot that bit. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "No, he had narrow little eyes. I couldn't hypnotize him," which is interesting <laughs> because, of course, it's the master that's more known for yeah, hypnotism. Yeah. But the doctor, I think Sylvester McCoy done it once or twice. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. yeah, he tried to hypnotize him, which was yeah. I thought, oh, he's not done that very often. Mm-hmm. And, but he finds out from Rankwin that Crow's power comes from a holy rare. Getting tongue tag, a holy <laughs> relic that was brought to the moon by the swampies, mm. which enabled them to see into the future. But then Kroll swallowed it. Holy relic, you say? Yeah. Hmm. Can see into the future. Hmm. Yeah. Wonder what Almost that could like be. Almost like some sort of, I don't know, key to time or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the key to time. Yeah, it could, could be. be. Could be. <laughs> but Kroll swallowed it, and it's interesting that idea though that Kroll swallowed it. And he must have been quite a big squid to begin with, I'm assuming. Yeah. And then he's just went, whoa, and become this gigantic... That is quite a clever story idea, isn't yeah. it? Just that it's had this effect on him. And I assume it's also prolonged his life by crazy amounts too. Centuries, as I think we're, I think they said mm. earlier on. Yeah. So Romduck confesses at this point, he's, he fesses up and says, look, I was paid by phone to deliver the guns, so mm. he had an excuse to wipe them out. And he says, oh, my God, my ankles are breaking. He just stops. He's really going for it, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He says my ankles are breaking. I'm sure he says my back's breaking later on. Yeah, yeah. He just gets all suddenly pathetic and, oh, no. He's quite a bit shorter than Mary and Tom, though, isn't he? So I suppose, you know, he's going to be feeling it a bit more. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. But it looks really realistic. Tom's got perspiration coming off his face. Yeah. And all that. So they're... It looks realistic that they're actually getting mm-hmm. on the rack. It doesn't look yeah. like, oh, well, we're just sitting here. Yeah. It actually <laughs> does really look realistic. And it cuts back to the base at that point, the refinery. And there's a good CGI shot of the rain on the window and phones looking yes. outside, yeah. which I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. And then this is the bit where, as you say, Tom, uh, the doctor, uses a high pitch to escape, which is yes. brilliant. Yeah. I, I just, he, he sees a window. It's and just goes, mad, isn't it? <laughs> it's just it's just so Doctor Who, isn't it? An idea like that. Yeah. The look on Mary Tam's face when he does it the first time. She's like, what? <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> yeah. And then he actually has to go pitch higher, doesn't he? He says, yeah, yeah. Uh, I need to go an octave higher. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, the rain goes on the creepers and they escape. Yeah. But it's interesting that because Romana said, um, so, she says something like, I no longer have an itchy nose. Yeah. And has some... Apparently that was because um, the cast thought the scene was very grim and they thought they would mm. inject a lot of humour into it. Okay. Because I think she talks about misplay, mis, no, displacement anxiety and it's just mm, random that's right, yeah. nonsense. You know, but yeah. I think it's just to detract from this is actually a really gruesome yeah. thing that's happened here. We're getting our backs broken. Mm-hmm. Well, because, yeah, this is following on from season 14 where... Mary Whitehouse et al. had finally got their way and had made their voices heard at the BBC after uh, a few slightly, I mean, in some ways, I think she might have had a a bit of a point. Not that I really wanted to agree with Mary Whitehouse, but um, I'm totally the same. I'm totally the same. And I saw the Deadly Assassin when Tom was being held under the water and I do think sometimes they went too far. Um, yeah. The Hinchcliffe years, I adored watching them. But yeah. again, I think it's something get, 
just being older. Mm-hmm. I look at them now and I think, oh God, that was on at half past five or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I could maybe see where she's got a couple of points. I mean, some of our, mm. our criticisms are ridiculous. Don't get me wrong, yes. but yeah. that one or two things like that one you said are totally justified. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But is that really what you want a kid to see at half past five? Or somebody drowning? <laughs> and yeah, so they were told to tone it down a bit. Yeah. In the refinery, they see that Coral is moving towards the settlement. And this is a bit where phone goes total, you know, he's in his element. Yeah, you're not going to have to deal with him. Ha ha. And Fenner says, well, I don't hate the Swampies. And there's a shot where the camera zooms in on Fawn's eyes and he just looks so evil where he says, I'm not yeah. going to have any something like, what is it he says? Something like, um, I don't have any Swampy lovers ruining this or something. Yeah, he's very dismissive. It's um, <clears throat> He's very much the company man, isn't he? So he's, he's just not going to let anything him. get between him and the money. It's all about the money for him. Everything else is secondary, so he's got no respect for yeah, the I lives mean, of the Swampies, or as it turns out, his fellow, his fellow dry foots either. Dry foots either. I mean, he just he's talking about putting debt charges in and blowing them all up and using arms to to so they destroy each other and all that. It's just yeah, yeah, it's pretty full on. <laughs> so on the marsh, the doctor tells Romana and Rome Dutt to freeze as the swamp is bubbling, but Rome Dutt doesn't listen to him and he's grabbed by the tentacle. But they don't help him. No, I know that. They just stood there like, oh, well, <laughs> you did tell him, didn't you? Oh, he kind of okay. runs away. He must only be like a couple of feet away from them. And then yeah, Cole's yeah. tentacle gets him. And they just, as you say, both stand there and kind of go, oh, that was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> like, go after him. Save yeah. him. The Swampies are after them, though. And so they get a canoe and row out. Where's the canoe come from? I don't know. It must be the canoe that he had before. Was it the one that Tom pinched before? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. And then Kroll is rising up. Yeah. The cliffhanger. And again, I think it's a great model. I, I, I think, think it works, yeah. I think it really works. It's just a shame, as you say, the fringing mm. on the picture. If they had sorted that out, it would have <clears throat> sold the illusion a bit more. But uh, yeah, I think it why, why do we think that with the 60s shows, I feel like they get more of a bit of a free pass if the, if the effects aren't that great? Whereas by the time you get into the 70s, we're a bit more... Critical. I think uh, maybe. I think yeah. I, I think that's a valid point. Um, I think the sixties ones actually benefit from being in black and white mm, a lot of the time. Yeah, and I think of... also. I'm sure I've seen a, a clip of is it Tom Baker or Philip Hinchcliffe saying how they all went to see Star Wars at the cinema in '77, yeah. and when they came out, like, oh wow, well, we're a bit stuffed then, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, filled with a budget of millions. Yeah, yeah. They're like, what are we going to do? And inflation's going up as well. God. Mm. Graham Williams, you can only imagine, must have just, the, his world must have just sank slightly. <laughs> what are we going to do with no money? I mean, we're up against this. Yeah, because he got brought in because of the, the Mary Whitehouse furore, didn't he? Yeah. So he was very quickly to... moved Hinchcliffe off. And I think it was he on something called, I think it was on Compact, wasn't he? It was Compact, they... yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they swapped roles, I think. Yes, that's right. And he was told to put the violence down. Mm. That's the main sort of criticism. Don't want yeah. the White House on the door every week at the television centre. Thank you very much. Mm. So he kicked off with Horror of Fang Rock. That was a pretty good start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> dies. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, oh, I love the Horror of Fang Rock. It's yeah. just 
I think there's an awful lot. I think people are, you know, dismissive of the Williams era, but I think if you look at it as a whole, yes, I mean, every period has duds. Maybe there are a few more in the Williams area, but if you look through it, there are some absolute gems in there. Oh, I totally agree. I think a lot of them are in this season. Yeah. Season 16. I think season 15, as you say, they've, they're dealing with the crisis of what had happened before with no mm. money, etc. But yeah. season 16, they've sort of, they're in the rhythm. And while I think season 17 is, goes too far with the jokiness at times, Mm-hmm. It's that's Douglas Adams with the ideas. I mean, there's cracking ideas in it because of Douglas I mean, I love Adams. Douglas Adams, so I'm just going to go for that head yeah. over heels. But uh, yeah, I know, I know it's not for everyone. Well, I think it just goes over the top a little bit with the jokiness. But it's interesting because Douglas Adams didn't want that. It was more yeah. the people came in, and got the scripts, and then guys like Graham Crowden were going. Yeah, I think it annoyed him that he. Yeah. He thought that um, actors coming in, when they see humour written in the script, assume that is their key to yeah. go on and really camp it up. Whereas he was wanting it to be played more straight and have a more mm-hmm. of a dark humour about it. But I love, I love all of it. I think it's great. Oh, I'd, I love Doug. So like Preach for the Pit is one of my um, yeah. That's favorites. another one that's really. I mean, it's it's let down a bit by. Let's be honest, a, a big green phallus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's a great story. It's a lot to recommend I love about it. From the pit. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, again, fully imaginative ideas, just unfortunately yes. some of the realism making it. But again, it was this one's got the power of crow was the biggest docs for Doctor Who. And then they were asked, mm-hmm. I'm assuming the next year, to can you make one even bigger than crow? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, they didn't really, really didn't learn, did they? No, I don't think <laughs> they did. No. <laughs> so we've got the start of part four, where Kroll then just sinks back into the swamp, and they all mm. stay still. Yeah, but Fawn intends to take the next orbit shot and shoot it at the settlement and the creature. So he's gone completely, you know, mad. He's now. gone just tonto, isn't he? He's just like, right, I'm, I've had enough of this. Yeah. I'm just going to wipe them all out. I don't care. The Doctor and Romana enter the refinery and hear the countdown to this launch. And Duggan, Duggan tries to talk about it, but he just yes. gets knocked down for his trouble. He just gets yeah. booted down. It, yeah, it gets gets worse, doesn't it? And it gets worse later on, yeah. Mm. I think you were saying earlier about how the, the pipeline, sadly, as good as the effect was of the guy being pulled through that it looked very wooden. Only at the, the count, end. The countdown. Let's just talk about the countdown uh, plot for a moment. Yeah. They, it's almost like they didn't have time to sort of finish off the, the hole in the, <laughs> the set for the clock. It looks really... It looks bad, pretty bad, doesn't it? It's like it's... someone's had a pair of safety scissors and tried to, to cut out a hole. And it's, it's, it's surrounded great. by that pattern that you see on a lot of Doctor Who stories. That, you know, yeah, this we've got that on our loading bay at work, yeah. Yeah. It's, safety stuff, yeah. You just think, yeah, you just look at it, you think, surely they could have come up with something a bit more yeah. imaginative, a bit more imaginative to look at. Make it, make mm. the, the figures red or something. I, I don't know, yeah. anything. Just make it look yeah. a bit more interesting. I yeah, mean, I'm it's going to By the numbers, <laughs> literally. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to criticise the base because it's a refinery. So, yeah. you know, it, it's going to look... You're limited with what you can do, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to suddenly just have Christmas lights all over the place. You know, no. it's, it's You have to... Uh, you're restricted in that sense, but yeah, the clock yeah. is dreadful. It's it's mm. just yeah, it's poor. <laughs> so, There's no getting away from it. 
So Kroll destroys the settlement. And Rankin thinks yeah. that it's punishment for the dry, the dry foots escaping. Hmm. So Kroll's just obviously decided to get a bit, you know, I'm just going to go for a wee stretch here and just destroy everything. <laughs> He's woken like up Sucky now. Hole Street on a, on a Saturday Sucky night, isn't it? Street on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so the countdown's happening and the Dr. Romana go to the rocket silo and Fawn kills Duggan for trying to abort the launch. Now, Oh, yeah, I mean... That's just mental, isn't it? He's just... At yeah, that point, just... even, like, Philip Maddox's character looks like, what on earth are you doing? What <laughs> what has possessed you? Yeah, he's just... He is psychotic, isn't he? He's just... Yeah, I think he tries to justify it later on with... Um... Mm. Well, I did warn him. I did say step away from the, the countdown. And then he like, makes... Uh, yeah, never, Philip Maddox never... makes the point of saying, well, yeah, you've done this for nothing, though, haven't you? Because he thinks he was working mm. for the Sons of Earth, yeah, but yeah. he's got no proof. So, mm -hmm. But yes, he shoots them, and they go to the rocket silo. Yeah, and the Doctor hits it with a hammer. Now, this this whole set... Yeah. It's, I think uh, they ran out of money. Um, I was going to say, it's fairly low budget, isn't it? The ladder shakes, the box mm -hmm. shakes, the hammer is a toffee hammer. <laughs> <laughs> And it hits, and, and then everything, it's just, how did this get past the, you know, how was the director watching that and then going, right, we need to go yeah, ahead here? We've got that, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next scene. Maybe they're up against it time-wise, I don't know. Yeah, this must have yeah, been a five-at-night uh, job, because otherwise, mm, surely they would have redone that, because it's it's one of the worst bits of Doctor Who, probably, in terms yeah. of just, I hate, I hate, like everyone else, when they say, uh, you know, wobbly sets and all the rest of it because it rarely happens but that's one occasion it certainly does I'm afraid yeah, it's just, uh, it wasn't the best sorry Mark I know you like this story <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay I I can I can look past those things but uh, yeah you know I'm I'm big enough to understand that you know there are bits that aren't so great about it that's fine <laughs> it's all part of the charm isn't it exactly it's part of the charm <laughs> so Fawn finds them coming out of the room and the doctor says something like you're putting two two oh, together you... i can see you yeah yeah cleaning lady was in here now was there <laughs> he's like uh so what were you doing now oh, i think uh someone left the door open <laughs> <laughs> it's really uh it's funny it's just yeah great human again from tom yeah. and Mary. uh fedor says that crow is coming towards them now Mm -hmm. So instead of uh, Fawn getting his wish off, right, we're going to kill you two as well. Fenner says, no, we, we're in trouble here. Kroll's coming. And I think uh, the doctor says something like, oh, he's coming towards us. <laughs> and again, he's very happy about it. Yeah. Her man and, is like looking at him like he's mad. <laughs> she must do that quite a lot in the TARDIS. Yeah, I would imagine so, her. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Fawn meets his maker. He's killed by a spear. Yeah, karma, baby. Yeah, because the swampies have come to the refinery, haven't they? And yeah, he gets his cup and said it's just it's a it's not the most uh, glamorous death, is it? He just sort of goes, <clears throat> no, it's not a high stakes <laughs> thing, is it? But then I quite like the way they've done that because you've got the initially you think, oh well, they've they've stopped the threat, they've broken the the uh, launching device or whatever, um, yeah. 
and then the bad guy gets killed off and you think oh well, that's it then it's all done and dusted but then it transpires that the computer is still going to launch the uh, yeah so it's explosive it's, it's, i they say something we'll get to that but when he says something like um that because we've blocked the silo mm. so because he smashed that oh is it because that previous rocket is still there could be or it could be that um the guy that got dragged down the pipe is is blocked, <laughs> stuck is in blocked. There blocked. <laughs> <laughs> it's in there like get me out <laughs> yeah because there's going to be another launch but it's going to mm. blow the whole refinery up we find out later yeah. on because yeah the pipe's blocked Mm-hmm. That was my understanding. Anyway, should have got Dino Rod in. <laughs> <laughs> get rid of Crow, but also get rid of the rocket. That's going to be yeah. In there. Yeah. So the doctor at this point bangs his hand when he's thinking of a solution. He, that's another thing I noticed. The doctor does another mm-hmm. Tomism. He just bangs his hand on his head, like think, yeah. think, think. What do I do? <laughs> and then he tells him switch on all the noise to confuse Crow. So he switches on all the. So Fenner turns all this noise on. Do, do, do. And Rankin, because he still thinks that his tribe of what's the best word to use? Insulted crow. Yeah, they've displeased um, him. Yeah, yeah, displeased him. Yeah, goes to the pump chamber to kneel before crow, but unfortunately, he is then dragged into the pipe as well. Bad move. Very bad move. Yeah, it's like there's an open pipe there, Mm. um, and he sees the tentacle, but. Yeah. He's, he's like, ah, yeah, I'm your servant. I'll be fine. Nope. And so he's dragged out of the pipe as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do I say about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it's, it is what it is. No, it's not amazing. John Abaneri, to, to his credit, tries to sell it as much as he can. <laughs> he does. He does. You know, there's only so much you can do in that situation. But yeah, I think it's, you know. As you say, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I think as, a, as a, I think you're right though. As a kid, you wouldn't notice that you know. Oh, the ball's mm. shaking at all. Mm. You just you just think, oh my god, he's been dragged at the pipe. That's scary. Yeah, yeah. But then we get uh, the the countdown clock gets a chance to <laughs> have another massive close up again, doesn't it? So. Oh yeah, I, it, it, <laughs> is that the worst clock at Doctor Who? It's bad, isn't it? It's bad, isn't it? So the doctor yeah. goes outside, and this is the clip that's on the Tom Baker's years tape. Yes which I think is a great scene. He goes outside mm. and to, admit, to test a theory. Yeah. Because he thinks, he's put all the elements together like we have as an audience, mm-hmm. that maybe crawls the key to time segment. Yeah. And there's a lovely little bit where he gets dragged by the tentacle and he loses the chaser and he picks it back up again. And Yeah. Cut long story short, after saying nearly 760, he says I've had a good life or something. <laughs> yeah. It is the segment, mm-hmm. and Kroll's gone. Kroll's yeah. turned back into the segment. It's like again, I think that's a great location. Yeah, and uh, I think this is the first story, by the way, with that coat he's wearing. The one with the it is, yeah, yeah. With I was the reading ducks uh, on it. Yes, which uh, my favorite coat for Tom's is the the white one, the or the grey one he wears in season thirteen with the in, like in the android invasion. But this oh, is yeah. a similar sort of coat. Yeah, it's got the big lapels and and mm-hmm. got the, the uh, more of a tweed, isn't it? This one. Yeah, yeah. I, like I just it. really like his coat. <laughs> mm. So the computer, as we find out and as we've discussed, is going to make the next orbital shot and destroy the refinery. So there's a moment of right, 
everything's sorted. You know, like there's going to be no more <laughs> methane shots, nothing. And Philip mm. Maddock just sort of goes, well, actually, the place is going to blow up. <laughs> you can always count on Fenner to lower the tone of happiness in this story. Yeah, yeah. That's because he's so miserable because he didn't get the leading part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that the whole thing's resolved with two wires. He just yeah, well, he's, he's wires. literally just cutting every single wire he can. And you're thinking, okay, is that going to be the one? Is that going to be the one? No, the countdown's still going. And he just puts the two together just as it reaches zero. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. I love how he just sits there with his hand on the side of his face. <laughs> yeah, that is really funny. It's just, it's just the fact that it's two wires. I mean, of all the creative sort yeah. of ways to resolve mm-hmm. this. Oh, and it shorts out. Yeah. And then that's really the story over. Fenner, though, is left with the swampies. Yes. So they kind of just say, Fenner, you're, they'll, the swampies will look after you. Bye. Yeah. And he's just, yeah. he's just <laughs> left with them. Yeah. They'll sacrifice him, won't they, or something? Well, yeah. I mean, it could go either way, couldn't it? It could either end up being taken into the tribe, or, yeah, like you say, they'll probably come up with uh, number six on the, the list of ways of killing him off. What could, what could be more inventive than the um, the creeping vines? Yeah, or the bloke dressed as Kroll. <laughs> you have to come up with something pretty pretty cool to top those. Or maybe Fenner becomes the guy who's in the suit. Oh, maybe yeah. Maybe he gets out one now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> but yeah, I wonder if there's been any big finish sort of uh, sequel to this. I, 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 oh, I you can imagine there's a whole box there. There must be, but. <laughs> But after this, the outcome of this must be right. So there's no more methane to yeah. find because Kroll's gone. Yeah. So the planet can't get food from there. So does that mean Delta mm. Magda's now going to, you know, starve? Yeah, it uh, throws up a whole bunch of questions, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, this. I mean, if Nick Bridge is listening to this, he's probably thinking ideas now. So but let's not <laughs> talk about this too much. But, um, but yeah, so. The Swampies, you'd think would be left alone now, but probably that mm. won't happen. No. But he's he's basically left a planet to maybe starve the doctor. Mm. The doctor. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not unusual for him to just swan off thinking it's all... No, he's all got invested. four. Mm. Yes, you could say that. And the last shot of the episode is the TARDIS materialising in the swamp. So we go back to yeah. this lovely, the reeds and everything. Mm-hmm. And... I love how he tells K9 to get back from the door. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there's lots of baby squids, isn't there? He says something like... Oh, that's right, yeah. He sees loads of baby squids and says that's been caused by Kroll. Mm-hmm. So something with Kroll's power is... And when he's changed back, has produced all these little Krolls or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe they're all going to be eating calamari from now on. Yes. Instead of I... methane. Yeah. It's well, got to be preferable, isn't it? I wonder what the swampies eat, actually. Mm. Must be little squids about or fish Green or something. Beans. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's the end of the story. That's the and they're off with the fifth segment of the key to time. Yeah. I think four parters are the perfect length for me. I think some of the six parters can drag a bit. But I felt watching it. I watched it again today just to refresh my memory and I didn't really feel like it was dragging at all. I didn't 
a good sign for oh. me is if I'm not picking my phone up and looking at Twitter or whatever. And I didn't really need to do that. There's not many four Doctor Who parts that don't really drag us. I mean, it's the perfect length yeah. for a Doctor Who. The six parters yeah. are, um, some of them are variable. A slog. Yeah. Some of them are a slog. Mm-hmm. So I've done a bit of, uh, like you did, I've done a bit of research on this. A couple mm-hmm. of the things I found out was the Kroll sound effect is the same as the nesting in Spearhead from Space, which I totally didn't... Is that so? Which I totally didn't pick up on, but as soon as I read it, I thought, oh, so it is. Mm. And it is, it's the same... It's the same as the effect when it's in the tank, in mm. Spearhead from Space. Yeah. It's a strange noise, isn't it? That's a great noise, though. Mm. Great yeah. noise. So good that they've used it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julian Glover was the original choice for phone. Yeah. That would have been something. Mm, but then we wouldn't have had him for City of Death, so I'm kind of glad it worked out the way it did. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, yeah he wouldn't have came back, would he? Well, Although I'm not sure Philip that... Maddock would agree, but... <laughs> <laughs> imagine, I'm just trying to imagine Julian Glover in the part of phone. Um, he would have added... A, not that uh, Neil McCarthy oh, was... Yeah. Um, wasn't bad. I thought but it was great. Yeah, I thought I, I really liked his performance. As I said earlier, mm. I, I really liked the fact he was just this mad, <laughs> sort of bad man. <laughs> I think if Julian Glover had had it, it would have been a lot more gravitas, maybe. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I think as time's shown, it, we got Julian Glover in the best role later on. Absolutely. Yeah. The cast thought this was the bit I said earlier, wasn't it? About the the vine stretching scene was too violent, so they added some jokes in. Yeah. And Gray MacDonald, this, well, I was really shocked when I read this, Gray MacDonald asked uh, Graham Williams to sack Tom Baker while this one was getting recorded. Really? Because, because he was wanting Tom Baker's new contract. Tom Baker wouldn't sign the contract unless he wanted he had casting, director, and story approval. Wow. And they basically said, not one will give him it. Mm. Which, of course, didn't happen because... Well, he was the uh, doctor for the next couple of years. Yeah, but yeah. Certainly behind the scenes, Tom was wanting a yeah. lot of control. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's been in a part that long, and particularly, you know, actors do have egos and possibly none more so than Tom Baker. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can tell. I think, <clears throat> I mean, obviously I don't know because I'm just getting my best educated guesses in but I think if you look at the Philip Hinchcliffe uh, period I think there was that kind of mutual respect between them whereas I feel like Graham Williams coming in he was a very different character and uh, probably a little bit intimidated by Tom and would probably let him get away with a bit more um so yeah, I think uh, that was. I I could easily see that being being the case that he was asking for this, that, and the other. Yeah, I got the impression that he felt he could. Not, uh, I'm going to use the wrong word here. Perhaps he could get one over Graham Williams. I think he thought I could. He, well, um, he he's not going to challenge me on this. Yeah, because uh, Graham Williams came across as he was supposed to be quite a shy man, quite a yes. A, you know, well, Philip Hinchcliffe was, he had done a couple of things, but he was just, I think he was a bit of a stronger character. And also Tom at that time was very, not obviously he was at the start of the role, so he wasn't going to be asking yeah. demand. 
Tom basically just got a big head, really, didn't he? he just, and thought, yeah, they need me. I'm going to ask for it, all of this. And while he was obviously always brilliant as the doctor, yeah, his behaviour behind the scenes, I think even now Tom admits he he went too far. Sorry, I'm just looking up Graham Williams because I'm sure... Ah, no problem. I know he, um, he retired from TV and took over running a pub down in my part of the world. Oh, I think his uh, the end of his life was quite tragic. Yeah, so he uh, retired to run a pub in Tiverton in Devon, which is not that far away from me. And uh, he died in a shooting accident. Oh, God. Which is awful, yeah, 1990. God. So anyway, that's nice to leave on a, a, a down. <laughs> <laughs> visual effects. Mm. Team were not happy with the model work, which I was surprised about because I thought the models looked fine. I thought they were okay. I thought the refinery looked fine. The, the crow model was fine. Yeah, I didn't think they were any worse than anything else from that sort of era, really. No, I'd, I'm quite surprised by that. Mm. But I can understand this one, though. Gray Williams wasn't happy with the sets and the designer was not allowed to work on Who again. Mm. Yes. Mm. Because yes, I, I think I, the memo would have been you didn't make them sturdy enough. It's no, probably the memo. No, it's maybe it's because they didn't have the money for it. I don't know, or maybe it was inexperience on their part. But yeah, they they weren't great. It has to be mm. said. So, final thoughts on the power of crow. What's your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, I think it's it's by no means an all time classic. I'm not going to say that. But on the other hand, it's not terrible. I think it's a solid story. I think it stands up pretty well in the Key to Time series. For me, at least, I think it's stronger than, say, the Armageddon Factor. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's enough to keep your interest. There's an interesting um, location for the story. I love Tom and Mary. I think they work so well together. And I think by this point, they've really gelled. I think oh, yeah. she was probably a bit unsure to begin with, but I think you can tell by this point they're really getting on like a house on fire. And you can tell on screen, I think it, their chemistry is great. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and nice to see John Leeson out and about as well. So, yeah, lots <laughs> to commend about it. I like I like it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was better than I thought it was. When I watched mm -hmm. it the other day, I was actually quite shocked how much I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. There was a lot more comedy than I remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Fawn, I liked, as I've said it a few times, but I loved how Fawn was just so deadly serious. So you've got yeah. Tom's doctor being quite jokey a yeah. lot of the time. And then you've got this villain who is just completely mad. Yeah. And it's just wanting to bomb everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was a nice contrast. But yeah, yeah I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it. It was much better than I thought it was, despite all the stuff I've criticised in the last <laughs> hour and a half with sets and so on. Um that's yeah, a lot I, of fun though, isn't it? I thought it was much better than I thought it, it was. Yeah. It was better than I remembered. Oh, good. I'm glad I didn't <laughs> make you sit through it and uh, and hate every moment. So oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> What's your, um, do you think, is your stick-out moment in the story? What's the moment that... Um, I think, for me, it's probably that scene with the the vines where they're being stretched and... <laughs> Just the it's so mad and quite funny. So yeah, I think probably that scene. 
Well, I was going to say the same thing. Oh, really? <laughs> but I'll think of another one. Um, sorry, I'm kind of I'm stumped now. Um, <laughs> I think Crawl coming out majestically from the bottom of the Yeah, we'll go with that. Crawl coming out. Cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool, to be fair. So, yeah, we'll go with yeah. that. Crawl coming out of the swamp and the noise, even if it is the nasty noise, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and because it, it is quite this big menacing giant squid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Mark, for that. I really enjoyed that. Looking at well, the thank you. And you have your own podcast, as I said earlier, the I All do, of Space yes. and Time podcast. Where yes. can folk find you? Uh, well, um, we are on... Um, anchor.fm so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash all of time and space and you'll also find us on apple podcasts and spotify and all those other places um so for those who don't know myself and my friend ian are watching all of doctor who in broadcast order i know it's really original idea no one's ever thought of doing that before um we have a guest each time or guests sometimes um so every time you tune in for a new episode there's always a different voice coming in to give their opinions on the the story of the episode and we have oh. a silly quiz where we uh potentially throw someone into the time lash and, uh, <laughs> yeah i heard, yes. that, one. I heard <laughs> that on your dalek's master plan episode <laughs> so yeah we have a we have a bit of fun with it and uh yeah it's uh it's going to be a long old trek, but uh, yeah, we're in for the long haul. So yeah, come and find us. Cool. What story are you on now? Or... We are at time of recording. Sorry, my cat's going mental. <laughs> it's all right. Oh, really? Cats always appear on this podcast. It's yeah. Like, I've only they love you, Dave. There's cats. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so as we're recording this one, our next episode to go out is going to be The Evil of the Daleks. Oh, classic. It's a biggie, yeah. A big one, yeah. So that's coming up next, and then we'll have a, a season four retrospective, and then I need to really pull my finger out and start recording some season five monster season episodes. So, yeah, it's all all go. Exciting times. Mm. Well, thanks again, Mark. Um, obviously, this first block is... Uh, get looked at the moment, but mm-hmm. I may call on your services again if you were up for it. Whenever. Yeah, no, it'd be great. I really enjoyed myself. Thanks for having me on. Ah, it's been great to have you. Until next time.